0: In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Malachi by looking at Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless. And abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings in an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourself in spirit, and do not be faithless. As we have looked at the book of Malachi so far, we have seen that Judah doubted God's love. But as we look deeper, we see that that said more about them than it did about God. They had actually dishonored God, and that had put them in circumstances where they didn't feel very loved. This was because they hadn't guarded knowledge of God and his covenant. This failure had consequences with God, but also with the whole community of believers. And that's what this section is about, this breaking of faith with the people of God. We have read up to this point about the priest not being faithful to their covenant with God, but here we see that that in turn kept them from being faithful to the ones who relied on the priest to know what God wanted. This was a time when people didn't have Bibles on their coffee table and everyone could look for themselves. They were wholly dependent on the priest to understand what God wanted. So if they were not accurately communicating what God wanted, they didn't know what to do, what they were supposed to be doing to honor God. As a result of this, the sacred space of Israel had been defiled and service to God was dreadful. Verse 11 in my translation said that Judah had profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. The word that's translated in this version, sanctuary, is a word that means sacred space. And it's not entirely clear whether this verse is referring to the whole of Israel or just the temple. Either way, it seems to make the same point, that what God had set apart for his purposes had been defiled because the people no longer knew better. They no longer knew what they were supposed to be doing. And specifically, they were marrying the daughters of foreign gods. It wasn't that they had married people that came from other places, it's that when they married them, there was no conversion by the wives. These husbands were worshiping the gods of the countries where their wives came from. There were provisions in the law of Moses to assimilate people who had come from other countries. It was even encouraged, but it was under the condition that they accepted the God of Israel. And these people were no longer doing that because they didn't have a full understanding of what God wanted and who God was because the priest had let them down. They somehow thought it was okay to worship these other gods. In doing that, they had defiled the sacred space that God had set apart for worship of himself. As we think about that ourselves and look for some application in our time, I wonder if 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 might not apply to us. There it says, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, or some translations say, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Either way, it has this idea of our hearts being a sacred space in which we set aside Christ as Lord. When we allow our hearts to be contaminated by the world around us, when we let things other than God control our decision-making, we take Jesus off of the throne of our heart. We dislodge him from that sacred space, and we corrupt it with other gods. We have to be very careful that we guard that sacred space, that we keep it holy and we allow God to do the work that he wants in our lives because we've left our heart open to him and have come to him with a genuineness of heart that allows him to equip us for all the things that he's called us to. Which leads us to this idea about service to God. This passage says that 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 service was dreadful. Specifically, he was talking about the service that was being performed in the temple at the altar. People were coming to the altar, and they were crying and groaning because they just didn't think that their service was doing any good. But what we know from reading the whole of Scripture is that our service to God should be joyful, and our approach to serving God should be one of eager anticipation, not dread. We certainly don't lay animals on the altar like the people of Judah did at this time. But in a previous episode, we talked about how we have been called to be living sacrifices, that we give ourselves totally to the work and service of God. And Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13 says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. We should never be tired or frustrated or angry or upset about doing things for God. If we are, it belies a problem with our heart. That sacred space that's supposed to be set apart for Jesus has been damaged or corrupted in some way, and now our service is not joyful, but it's a burden. So the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, challenges us to compare ourselves to Jesus. We're told that Jesus considered serving God a joy and that nothing could derail him for that or take his eyes off of that, not even being executed on a cross. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I find it frustrating sometimes that a lot of Christians are only willing to be obedient to God to the point of discomfort or dislike. If we don't like what God's called us to do, if it makes us uncomfortable, we come up with excuses and say, that's not my calling or my gift, or nobody's perfect, or I'm only human. What we've been called to is to open our hearts up, let them be sacred spaces for the Lord to do his work. And when that heart is healthy and not corrupted, it creates an attitude of joy in serving the Lord. Malachi then lets them know that they have broken faith with God's people because they're unfaithful at home. Our faithfulness starts at home. Judah had been an unfaithful companion to God. They were unfaithful to the covenant that they had with God. And here they are reminded that the same thing is happening in their homes, that what is happening with God is just an extension of the way they're living their everyday lives. Marriage is a covenant relationship. Two spouses have agreed to share their lives together. They make promises to one another, and they give themselves to each other. God says, this is kind of a microcosm for my relationship with you, and if you don't understand how to be a good spouse, it may damage your relationship with me. God says he joins a husband and a wife together with his spirit, and all they ask in return, that is, if that results in children, please raise them to be godly. But instead, these men were hating and divorcing their wives. And God called that violence. That certainly stems from the culture of the day when Women were treated as property and the possession of a man, and if they were not under the care of a man, they had no civil or political rights. They were a non-person. It made it very difficult for them to live, and they could starve to death because they had no way of providing for themselves. God said divorce was a very violent act. And to put a woman away without cause was breaking the vow that you had made to her. God tells them, until you see your marriage as a way to understand covenant relationship and how to interact with God and how to love God, you're not going to be able to understand the relationship that God has called you to. I know there are probably several triggers in what I just said. There are things that if we were talking about raising godly children and talking specifically about divorce we'd certainly have to go back and make some caveats and 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 talk about different aspects certainly once children have grown to adulthood they choose whether they want to be godly or not this passage is addressing how we raise those children that responsibility is ours as for divorce there are times that is absolutely the most appropriate action But that's not the way that God always intended it to be. He he wanted it to be a vow that both people kept, and both people worked hard to hang on to the sacredness of that vow. In this particular passage, he's not addressing women and the right that they have to leave abusive relationships or cheating husbands or things like that. He's talking to a group of men who were getting rid of their wives just because They didn't want them around anymore, and they had become faithless. They had become untrustworthy in those relationships because they weren't keeping their vows. So as we look to apply the whole of this section to our lives, I think it's important to understand that we have a role within the people of God. Ephesians chapter 4 says that we are equipped by the Word of God for works of service. We're expected to carry those out, and it is expected to be a joyful experience, something we anticipate and don't dread. And if we're having difficulty with understanding how that can happen, we need to look at our families. Do we have a family where we are devoted to them, and we're willing to make all kinds of concessions and work hard to make sure they have the things that they want and the things that they've asked for? Or do we see them as... A drudgery and a burden and a situation we would like to get out of. If we are wholly devoted to family, we can start to see it as a model for how we should think about and how we should respond toward God. Our families become a good laboratory for developing a love for God and a devotion to His service all of the relationships in the family, show us some aspect of God and God's love for us and God's expectations for us. We've said several times in this study already that we're not participating in this service because we want to indebt God to us. We're not trying to make him owe us salvation. We know there's nothing we can do to earn that. But because he is who he is, because we have entered into a covenant with him. We do have a responsibility to keep our hearts pure so that he can use us the way he wants, accomplish the work he wants through us, and we can practice that kind of faithfulness within our families to help us continue to make progress in our relationship with God. Yeah. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter